With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. For one more beer for me, exile means quality, so savagely. Podcast. I'm John Miller along with Steve Dace. And Steve, um, the only thing worse than doing the uh, Instant Reaction podcast on Saturday um, was having to do it twice when I accidentally deleted the first one that I just got done with. And I have not done that many times in my broadcasting career. I don't know, maybe you have, but uh, that was painful. Um, so I, I've talked about that one um, recently. So let's hear what your thoughts are on uh, Northwestern 14, Iowa 10. Well, it was um, kind of the game I expected. And a little disclaimer here. All of the Iowa fans who have been telling me the last couple of years, you know, I'm really growing to appreciate your honest non-fan perspective. I hope that remains true for what I'm going to say next. Um, <laughs> Uh, if you have children in the car, you may want to uh, cover their ears. Because I'm a Detroit Lions fan and because my favorite team averaged seven wins a year for a decade, I have grown more sympathetic to the travails of disappointed fan bases, including the Hawkeyes, as I've gotten older. So I don't say this to be... Um, provocative or it's not my hot take, but I've watched a lot of losing in my time as a fan. And and here's what I'm concerned about against Wisconsin. It was minus three in turnovers against Penn state. It's no offensive points against Purdue. It's we can't win a track meet. Against Northwestern, it's we can't we can't win in the pitch, as I like to call it, way Sparty plays, well, and you know win in the in, you know in the scrum. When I look at Wisconsin, all of their losses have something in common: injuries. But then also they don't give the ball to Jonathan Taylor enough. I mean, he's averaging seven and a half yards a pop against Michigan, and then they just stop giving it to him. He's averaging nine yards a pop against Penn State, and he gets 13 more carries against New Mexico than he got against Penn State. And then there's that two-minute drill they run when it looks like they're actually trying to run out the clock when they're behind. This has been the same game they've lost every time. When I when I look at Michigan State, and the reason I'm putting them in Iowa's peer group is because they are the other state schools in our league 
that are top level developmental programs, meaning what they get out of their players from from the raw material they import in their recruiting class, that ratio every year. When I look at Michigan State, th- their losses are all the same too. Their offensive line is not very good, injuries, and um, they just quarterback play has been subpar with no running game and no offensive line uh, to boot. I bring that up in the context of that, not just because their programs are of a similar stature than Iowa's, but because did you notice a trend there? One of these things is not like the other. All of Wisconsin's losses look the same. All of Michigan State's losses look the same. All of Iowa's losses look different. And what my experience has taught me as a 35-year Detroit Lions fan is when you keep losing games in different ways, it might just be you're not good. And I think we should, Occam's razor should be entertained. Uh, You know, I... I I tried busting Occam's razor out this weekend myself to try and make sense of what I saw. It did not yield me any results. Let's see what your uh, interpretation is. Yeah, they just might not be good. You know, I mean, they, we are talking about a team whose Vegas win total was seven and a half. You know, so they they here here's then the question becomes why? I mean, is it talent on some level? Uh, is it scheme? Is it execution? The thing that all of these losses do have in common, they they all were done differently. But the thing that, ha- that they have in common, and this blew me away when you said this on the podcast last week, because I just, I, I missed it. I didn't believe it at first blush. When you told me Iowa had not had a 100-yard rusher all year, I was just like, you know what? You're right. How did I miss that? The basic initial building block of an Iowa football identity has never really been established. The, the, the cornerstone from which everything else, the, the field position game, the, um, the, you know, uh, the, way, the way they play bend but don't break defense, the play action pass game really stems from <clears throat> pardon me, the ability of the Iowa football program in the Kirk Ferentz era to turn third and four into a running down. And that just didn't happen all year. So I looked at the two deep from the game. And if I count um, Sergeant, it's really a 45 person two deep instead of 44. By my count, based on who I expect to go pro early, see Noah Fant. If I'm doing my math right, 35 of those 45 guys are going to be here next August 31st when the season opens again. Mm -hmm. So here's the way I would be looking at this as both a fan and a coaching staff. You know, in the coaching staff, it's kind of tricky. You know, it, you, it's hard to really verbalize. Now, it's easier when you got this many new guys or this many guys coming back to be a little bit more open with your team. Like, you know, we're building for next year. But at the very least for fans and media, 
what I would be looking at in this first game this week is a is a good place to start because you're playing one of the worst rush defenses in the history of Big Ten football, one of the worst I've ever seen. Is you know that the the bully mentality, the throw your weight around mentality, the next man in mentality, all of it stems from kind of this thing we're talking about right here. And this is the this is the the the, the stone that's the chief cornerstone of Iowa football of the Ferentz era. And I would be wondering, and then the next week you play another team that can't stop the run where the dam either in Nebraska. They're all, they're terrible. It's just they're not historically bad like Illinois seems to be. So what I would be looking at is do I see, because I don't see, could, could some talent be upgraded? Yeah, but it's Iowa. We could have this, con- with the exception of like 2002, We'd have this conversation every year, John. Could some talent be upgraded? This is not an elite recruiting school. Never will be. It's a developmental program. So, you know, could there be some talent upgrades? Yes. But you're not playing against a bunch of divisional competition that you are outmanned by every week either. It's not the SEC West. It's the Big Ten West. It's not the Big Ten East. It's the Big Ten West. All right. So, sure, this isn't a top 20 roster. But it, it's it's often not a top twenty talent roster, and and some of the issues we're talking about here don't exist. So what I w- what I would be looking for, because it's not as obvious as, you know, Michigan State next year is going to have to figure out the quarterback situation. Period. Got to figure that out, like Michigan had to a year before. You know, Ohio State's got to figure out. You know, Urban Meyer is he staying? Is he going? You know, what's going on there? For these other teams that seemingly, you know, didn't perform up to standards, you can point to one consistent theme, maybe two. With Iowa, we're we're taking a I'm more holistically concerned right now, and so that's why I would and and the fact, well, Steve, that's only been a three game losing streak, yes, but a three game losing streak as sudden as one you'll ever experience. For a program that is not is built on consistency, normalcy, and not ebbs and flows, uh, and it happened at the most inopportune time, and against three teams that, you know, Penn State's talent level is is above Iowa's, but you know, yeah, twenty four points on them without doing a single thing offensively on the scoreboard. So, I mean, these aren't teams that I just were, are in a, none of them were in a position to just line up and blow Iowa off the ball. No. And so the fact that it just came out of nowhere like that and the bottom fell out, you know, to quote whoever that dude was that one time Carl Lewis tried to sing the national anthem. Uh Oh, that's an uh oh to me. You know, you never saw it coming and it looked different every week. That's a problem. So I, I think you're kind of back to this. These last few games are like a, an extended spring practice. Mm hmm. And if that's how I'd be looking at it as an Iowa fan. And I want to know, you know, can we do the, can we do Iowa football, the Iowa football 101 stuff that I used to enjoy the luxury of calling into sound off and bitching and moaning and complaining. We were doing too much of that. Can we show we can actually do that stuff again? Can we do that? And, and start rebuilding from there because this, the suddenness of this and the way that it's it's there's a new slate of symptoms every week 
I, I'm, I'm concerned. Well, I think that I'm, I have some concern at quarterback. Um, it's not all on the quarterback. It is the most important position in all of team sports. Uh, he, Nate Stanley is just still very inconsistent and he's got 21 career starts. His career is well over half over. The game should be slowing down for him at this point, but it's not with the exception of that three game stretch earlier this year, um, Northern Iowa, Minnesota, Indiana, outside of that, and then outside of those three games and the Iowa State and Ohio State games last year, the rest of his career, the other 17 games, that's 16 games, he's looked – he doesn't have good pocket presence. The game's not slowing for him. And I don't get he, – he's not seen about half the field, in my opinion, based upon what I can see watching from my couch at home. He's not seeing half the field. He's not seeing guys breaking open late. That's not to say that that's every single snap. He's just inconsistent. And you, you just can't have inconsistent play from that position without being affected by it. Another thing, the big story after the game, and I think rightfully so, since we're not in possession of things that go on behind the scenes, is I think Noah Fant played seven or nine of 26 snaps in the second half. He's the most he's one of the most dangerous offensive weapons at tight end in Big Ten football history. And he's not in every third and seven formation or fourth. And he so many times the last several weeks, he's not been involved on those money downs. And if he's not in a formation group that they're calling, either put him in it or call a different one hmm. because he's got a 42 inch vertical leap. His measurables in some departments would have set NFL combine records for tight ends. And, and, and he'll do that this coming um, January because I have no doubt he's gone. I'll be shocked if he plays in the bowl game. There's something there. There's absolutely something there. So that's where I was applying Occam's razor this weekend. Well, is it injuries? Well, no, he's playing, you know, the 25, 30 snaps. It can't be injuries. Is it, um, I, I just went through a list. It's, is it doghouse? I don't know. That seems kind of weird that doghouse would be uh, an answer when he's actually still playing. And that would be like a DJK dog. I don't know. Something, there's some kind of disconnect. Keegan Render, I think, after the game, questioned, you know, why some guys don't want to play. I, I, I don't know, man. It's, it's, it's sounding a little bit shaky on the locker room side. Of course, I don't have access to that. So I'm purely speculating. I don't want to go too much farther because I don't really have anything else. Something is not right. But I do think that they need to have a real quarterback competition this spring, not just a pretend one. You know, you go back to the offseason. How did camp begin? Do you remember? How camp began? Yeah. How, you know, Big Ten media days, what we were talking about. I can't recall. Guys screwing up, getting busted. One guy who was put on notice in the spring, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And Larry Jackson. Yeah. Can you, can you walk and chew gum at the same time for three months? We'd love that. And then... Yeah, well, you find true. out that he can't. 
Okay. Mm-hmm. So when you are a developmental program and, and 75, 80% or more of the, of the programs in college football are, and you know, we just went through a week where for the first time since 2009, the entire AP top 10 didn't lose and they won their games by an average of 17.6 points per game. So I think the gap, there's a group of schools that are just recruiting at a level so superior to the sport as a whole that the 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 teams being thrown into the pool of uh, developmental programs is getting bigger, not smaller. And so... And you're in a you're in a division in a league with a lot of teams like that and a lot of programs like that, you know, the chemistry word gets thrown around a lot, but it doesn't take much. I mean, if you if you're, what I always find interesting, and you learn you learn this when the guys go to the pros, you know, when they're in college, the college coaches, all of them, not just Kirk, but all of them, try to make it. Nick Saban does this too. Try, tries to make it look like. They're, they're, they're not aware. And the stuff that fans notice is trivial and not true until you go to the pros and, and they're freed up to interact with you. And then you find out, well, holy crap, man, you know what? Those guys were in the locker room wondering why the hell Noah fans down on the field when they need him. Just like you got, just like, uh, you know, Joe from Lamoni sitting in section 14 was they were running the same damn thing. Cause who the hell's got more invested in the outcome of the game? The guys who gave up nine months of their life for this moment or Joe and Lamoni in section 14, John, who's more invested in the moment. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So if Joe and Lamoni is screaming that from the screaming from, uh, you know, section 14, where the hell's no offense? What do you think the guys in the huddle are saying when it's third and seven games on the line and, and, uh, they, and, you're, they, you're, and throwing, you're throwing end zone fades to Max Cooper. Yeah. What do you think they think? Exactly. Yeah. And so, you know, college coaches like to make it look like this is some Rubik's Cube, and it's not. And then when they get to the NFL and these guys get, get to speak their minds, you find out that they're human too. You know, this really dawned on me is when McCarney went 2-10, that one year at Iowa State after Seneca Wallace left. And I kind of wondered, they, they went early in that year and played a game. at. That was the first time Northern Illinois was really good under Jerry Kill, and they had beaten Alabama and Maryland. They were in the top 25, and Iowa State, like a 10-point lead there in the fourth quarter, and, and then uh, the Huskies came back and, and won. And I kind of wonder, that was my first year running Cyclone, or second year running Cyclonation, and I remember thinking, to, I was thinking just as a fan slash booster, I'm like, man, we still got to play at Oklahoma. Are we still going to play Oklahoma, Texas, Kansas State? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I'm like, mm-hmm. if, I mean, if, if Northern Illinois was the lowest ranked ranked team still on our schedule, and if we couldn't beat them, I kind of wonder how we're going to beat those other teams. I remember talking to like Lane Danielson and some of those guys after the year. And, and they were just there and they, yeah, they they're, do. We sit there and get the magazines like you guys do in WL in our schedule. And yeah, we were like, that's the swing game. We got to win that one. If we don't win that one, pff, rest of the schedule looking pretty hard. These they're human beings just like us. You know, and so while while we often, you and I, you know, like to dunk on fans who think that because they can guess run or pass means they, you know, know the playbook from this from the stands. It's also not, you know, the theory of relativity or string theory that coaches make it out to be either, you know, and the, so if, 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 if Jake and Lamoni is sitting in section 14 wondering why the hell isn't our only unguardable player in the game on third and seven with the season on the line, so are the 11 guys wearing black uniforms too. They're wondering that as well. All right. So that's a situation where there's clearly an issue. And 
and and it goes even beyond that that to me if if you're still having to send messages this late in the year to a key player you know you're the established coach here you're you're the one that's finished in the top 10 and won big 10 titles so the fact you feel as if you still have to do that shows that it's not just the Noah Fant issue, but surrounding issues and the way people are maybe responding to the Noah Fant issue. In other words, that maybe some guys haven't figured out that you're welcome to your opinion about whether Noah Fant will be in the game or not, but Noah Fant ain't running the show. I am. And uh, I think that's pretty clear that some of those issues exist. And when you are a developmental program in a league of developmental programs in a league that's as deep and balanced as, as man, we just had two teams in a row in our league fire their defensive coordinators and then come right out and play their most impressive games of the season. Right afterwards, Oklahoma, the mighty Sooners fired their defensive coordinator. Their defense is statistically worse than it was under Mike Stoops. So this is a very deep league and the margin for error with, with when you're playing Illinois can run the ball, man. They can run the ball. This is one of the most improved offenses in college football. You know, so they can't block. They can't stop anybody, but pretty much anybody other than Rutgers in our conference, you could at least be forced to sweat a little bit against. Remember Illinois was playing with Penn state until the fourth quarter of that game Mm -hmm. about a month and a half ago. So, you know, when your margin for error is so slim, Hyper-motivation or demotivation or the right leadership or the wrong. Look at Ohio State, man. The distraction that has been Urban Meyer all year. They've had some bangs bangs and bruises. But, you know, the guys that we were all still thinking were going to be good going into the year have played all year. J.K. Dobson's played all year. Mike Weber's played all year. They've got 3,000-yard receivers already. And the other guy is 150 yards away from getting to 1,000. You know, and one of them that got to a thousand yards is hurt Austin Mack and out for the year. So, you know, the guys we thought with the exception of Bosa, the guys we thought were going to be their key players are all there. And so you lose one guy, the coach is a distraction. Nobody in our league recruits as well as Ohio state. And, and all of a sudden we're acting like, you know, this team's kind of normal, kind of mortal. So that's the margin for error right now for everybody in this conference, given the depth and the amount of resources where now Northwestern might have the best indoor facility in the conference. And if they don't, it's probably freaking Minnesota. So if, if you've got two or three problem apples or things you haven't figured out, or you've got a senior class or junior class that isn't ready or capable of taking over and running the show, you know, it, it doesn't take much for you to have seasons like what I was having right now. I go. That's really well said. And I don't know that I have anything to add to that. I, I do think your point about the running game is, is absolutely a, a big one. And one of the reasons why Iowa has struggled to find consistency, probably one of the reasons why Nate Stanley has struggled to find consistently. Um, Iowa's leading rusher uh, has less than averages, less than 50 yards per game. So we are 10 games into this season. That might be the big number. Right and it's because you're struggling to juggle carries between Liddell Betts and Tavian Banks, bro, and Cedric Shaw. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. These are serviceable backs. They're okay. You can yeah. win with them, but no, nobody's nobody's uh, making anybody forget about Sean Green out there. Right. Should be nice to have Karan Higdon right about now. Thanks a lot. Um, for Steve, I'm John. We'll talk. I didn't to have anything to do with that. 